So how many of you have used one of these before, right? Anybody? We have really big mice at my house. I'm kidding. Um, but uh, this is a mousetrap, of course. It's been around since the late 1800s. was invented either in 1894 or 1897, depending on who you give credit uh, for it. Uh, two different guys came out with a patent for slightly different trap, uh, mouse traps around that time. Uh, but it's been used ever since then. I mean, I bought this, went to Walmart the other day, got it. We still use these. Um, we've tried to complicate this. I mean, there are different, a lot of different traps, and some of them are effective. Uh, some of them not so much. If you've had a mice problem in your house, you've probably tried, you know, the glue traps and the different types, the different forms of this. Uh, but this is still very effective. Very simple design. Of course, you've got uh, the bar here, and you set it up with this little a uh, little rod and put put some cheese or peanut butter. Peanut butter I found works a little bit better. Uh, put a little peanut butter on here. When, of course, when the mouse gets it, I mean, you know. You know he's he's gotten the, the bait, right? We lived in a couple of houses. One house we rented in Scottsboro was infested with mice, and I set these traps everywhere. And we would be uh, sitting, watching TV, and we'd hear, bam, 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 sometimes, you know, three or four at a time, even more than that. Or we'd see mice run across the floor. It was, it was not a pleasant experience. But even though this has been around a long time, it's still very effective. Now, we try to improve on it, and, you know, you can make an argument as to whether or not that's been successful. But a very simple design really doesn't need that much improvement. It does what it's designed to do. We do that with a lot of areas of life, don't we? How many of you have ever, here at home, how many of you have ever struggled to pray? Let's be honest. How many of you have ever? You can raise your hand, be honest. I mean, we, we've all been there, right? I mean, we've struggled with our prayer life. And sometimes, there are a lot of reasons for that, but like everything else, like with salvation, we tend to try to complicate salvation. Salvation is simple. Living for the Lord is difficult. But a child can be saved. Faith's like a child. Prayer is simple. We can talk to God. Anybody can talk to God. A child can talk to God. Now, we complicate that in a lot of different ways. It can be sin in our lives. It can be the fact that we think it needs to be more complicated uh, than, it, than it has to be, or it needs to be more sophisticated, maybe, when God just wants us to communicate with him and to listen to his voice as he communicates with us. And so in this second week of our series on breaking free, we're going to talk about God's simple design for prayer. Jesus gave us a model in the Lord's Prayer, and that model still holds true today. Um, for over 2,000 years, that model has held true. And we're going to talk about the different aspects, the different points of focus in that prayer and how it will help us shape our prayer life as we continue this 35 days of prayer, but then hopefully beyond that. Again, I don't want you to just pray for 35 days. I want you to, this to be a habit, a life habit for all of us, that prayer is just a part of who we are and a part of our daily walk with Christ, and that we go deeper. Again, this series, Breaking Free, the goal is to break free of everything that's holding us back from experiencing what God would have for us, from, from fulfilling his purpose for our lives and for this church, and to break through by seeking God through fasting, prayer, and feeding on his word. That's the goal of this. And we began last week 
with a day of fasting church-wide and 35 days of focused, intentional prayer as a church together corporately. And today we're going to talk about how to pray the way that Christ instructs us to. Our prayers should be directed by the Father, focused on the Father, on the concerns of the Father, and filled with the needs our Father can supply. They should be directed by God, focused on the concerns of God, and filled with the needs that He can supply. You know, there's only one instance where the Bible records the disciples asking Jesus to teach them something. There's a lot of instances where he's teaching them something, but only one where it actually records them requesting that. And that's in Luke chapter 11, when one of the disciples says, teacher, teach us to pray the same way, you know, John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And so Jesus responds to that with the Lord's prayer. And if you look in Matthew chapter 6, which that's where we're going to be today, we see a more expanded response, which is what we would commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. This is the passage that we're going to look at and what what you hear people recite when they recite the Lord's Prayer. Sinclair Ferguson said this. He said, this prayer serves two purposes. First, It provides a model prayer, an easily memorized outline that serves as a lesson in how to approach God as Father and how we are to speak to Him. Second, it serves as an outline of the whole Christian life by providing certain fixed points of concern for the family of God, and it underlines life's priorities and helps us to get them into focus. So, summarize that. First, it shows us how to approach God. It's a model. It's an outline that shows us the proper way to approach God and then how to communicate with Him. And then it shows us how to prioritize our lives. It shows us points of focus, things that we should focus on and the order in which we should focus on them in our prayer. And then that in turn will affect how we prioritize our lives. So that's the, those are the two purposes of the Lord's Prayer. It is the model prayer from the model teacher, Jesus Christ himself. He teaches us, teaching his disciples, he teaches us how to pray. And we can divide it up really into two sections, verses 9 through 11 of Matthew 6, and then verses the latter part of verse 11 through 13. Each of those sections has three requests. First, the first three requests deal with the Father. And the second three requests deal with our needs, essentially. They focus on us, the things that, that we need. So let's look, reading through Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Let's read that together. And we'll see how Jesus shows us, teaches us how to pray. Verse 9, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So today, as we look at this, I want to look at seven points of focus. I said three requests, three requests, six, uh, but there are actually seven points of focus as we break this down. So let's look. The first is this. We see that we need to acknowledge first the person of God. In this prayer, 
the first thing we do as we approach God, remember it teaches us how to approach God, we need to be mindful and acknowledge who he is as the God of the universe, the Lord of glory, the supreme and sovereign Savior. How we begin our prayers is important. It's important how we start. If we begin with requests and that's all we ever do, then we're missing the point. How we begin our prayers is important. Approaching the God of the universe is a privilege and one that we don't need to take for granted and one we don't need to take lightly. Yes, God is Father. He's our friend, but he's the God of the universe. And we need to approach him with the proper respect. Look at verse 9 again. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So yes, he's our heavenly father. And there is the father-child relationship. He has adopted us into his family. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection makes salvation possible. By our faith in him, we are saved. Through the work of Christ on the cross, we are saved. And in doing so, he adopts us into his family. We are his children. We are heirs to all that he has. So he is our father, and we can approach him just as a child does to his father or her father. And so he is, there is that intimate father-child relationship that's an exclusive relationship. Look at John 1.12. Get to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who are saved, we are his children. And then we receive salvation from him. John, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So it's through Christ that we enter into that relationship that we are now children of God. And we're given the privilege of an intimate relationship with God through Christ. 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God to humanity, the man Jesus Christ. So Christ reconciles us to God. We are now adopted back into his family. We are saved. And we have this relationship, this father-child relationship with God. And this relationship is intimate, it is personal, and it is spiritual. He's our heavenly father. It is a spiritual, intimate, personal relationship, a close relationship. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And and so we have this close relationship. He's our heavenly father, but we cannot forget that he is holy God. You know, you can go too far either way. You can emphasize the holiness that God is holy and separate, which he is too much. Or you can emphasize the personal nature of God too much to where he becomes a wimpy God. There's got to be a balance. We need to always be mindful of the holiness of God. That yes, he is a personal loving father, but he is the God who created the universe and who who holds the universe together, who sustains the universe, who is capable of creating and sustaining and providing. He is a holy God. He is personal but holy. Hallowed be your name. The, the Holman says, your name be honored as holy. We should honor his name. As we pray, we admire, we esteem, we honor, we revere, we give respect to his name, to who he is. And we value God's name above everything else because his name deserves that. He deserves honor, respect, reverence, esteem. 
We should give him the reverence and glory that he deserves. He is personal and loving, but he is holy and separate. And there's a sense in which when you look at these six requests, as we break down the Lord's Prayer, the, the five that come after this are greatly dependent upon the first. They follow the first because the first step for all of us is to recognize who God is as holy and separate, but also a loving personal father. John Piper says it this way. He says, nothing is more clear and unshakable to me than the purpose of, that the purpose of the universe is for the hallowing of God's name. His kingdom comes for that. His will is done for that. Humans have bread-sustained life for that. Sins are forgiven for that. And temptation is escaped for that. The last five requests come after the first. They're all done because of the first. Because God is holy. So we break this down this way. Father speaks of grace and mercy. Our relationship with him is because he's shown us grace and giving us the gift of forgiveness that we don't deserve and mercy not giving us what we do deserve. We have this relationship with him. But then Hallowed speaks of holiness and justice. God is holy and he is just. And his justice, the side of him or who he is as being just, that, those requirements are met by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Father speaks of grace and mercy, but hallowed speaks of holiness and justice. So what does this accomplish for us? What's the point here? The, the, the word I think that really describes this best is reverence. You know, when we talk about the fear of God, yes, there is a sense where we should tremble before God, a holy God. But reverence means I respect him and I honor his name. And because of him and his grace and mercy, I can have an intimate relationship with him. But just like I respect my father on earth, and yes, our relationship is different now that I'm older and have kids of my own, but I still have a respect for him and I approach him with that respect. And even more so as our Heavenly Father. Yes, it's intimate, it's close, but we maintain respect and reverence for Him. So verse 9 speaks of the person of God and reminds us to acknowledge who He is. Verse 10 speaks of our need to submit to the purpose of God. God is intentional and He has a purpose for my life and your life and for this church. And one of our, our, our focuses, one of our desires in this 35 days of prayer is that we... we understand, God, what is your purpose for us in the midst of this, this pandemic, everything that's going on in our world right now? What do you want to accomplish through us? We are seeking God's will through this, and it's his purpose. He has a purpose. It's his purpose. It's his kingdom, not my kingdom, not your kingdom, not anybody else's kingdom. And my desire needs to be, all of us, his kingdom, his kingdom come. That should be what we want. And personally, my prayer should be, I want your kingdom in my life, not mine. I want your kingdom. I want your name to be honored, not mine. In every area of my life, I want my life to begin to look like what it will look like when the, the new creation comes. Every day molded and shaped into the image of, of God. I want his kingdom in my life. 
I want it now. Yes, there's the, the, the future that I look forward to, but I want every day for my life to be molded by his hands, by his will, his purpose for my life, for my family. That should be our prayer individually, but also corporately. In the day-to-day spiritual battle that we face, I want his kingdom to be advanced. I want to see prisoners of war set free and brought into his kingdom. That should be my desire as a child of God facing spiritual warfare every day, living in submission to his will his way, and desiring his kingdom. So it's his purpose. But we also think about God's purpose. It is his kingdom today, his kingdom in the future, but it's also throughout history, right? We've said his story is, I mean, history is his story, and that's true. And so as we look throughout history, past, present, and future, we see God's hand at work in the past. If we are in tune to God's will, we can see his work, his hand at work in the present, and he will continue to work in the future. I mean, we will see God's kingdom advanced. And so throughout history, on earth as it is in heaven, we see his purposes fulfilled on earth. And then we submit to his purpose for our lives in the present and in the future. God created you with purpose. He has a plan for you, regardless of where you are watching today, whether you're here. You may be struggling with that, wondering what God's plan and purpose for you is. And and he'll reveal that to you in his time if you continue to seek him and grow in him. But I guarantee you God has a purpose for you. Before he ever created you, he had a purpose for you. And so we should seek out that purpose. J.I. Packer Packer says this. He says, here more clearly than anywhere, the purpose of prayer becomes plain. And I want you to hear this because this is so important. So many times we go into our time with the Lord with our list of wants and needs, our agenda, that we forget that prayer is not to make God do my will. It is to... To bring my will in line with his. It's okay to ask God for what you need. We'll get to that in a moment. And there's a reason that's a little further down on the list. The first step for all of us is that we have to submit to the purpose of God. Because there are going to be a lot of times in life where his will is different than what I think should happen. And even though my intentions may be good. God's plan is perfect, and he may take us in a completely different direction than we had planned. I think if one thing's been clear through all of this is that that God is taking us in a completely different direction, right? I mean, who of us, almost four months ago now, would have predicted this? I sure wouldn't have. I mean, go, go watch the Vision series again from January. I had no clue this was coming. I mean, a lot of that is still, still holds true, but there's no doubt that God is shifting our focus through all of this. And that's one of the things we want through this 35 days of prayer. Lord, what is your will? What is your purpose for my life, my family, for this church? Now, word of warning here, that prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is a dangerous prayer. It can be dangerous. It means putting The will of God first in my life and putting to death my will. Putting to death what I want. And it means that once once I willingly submit my life to him, 
that my life is now going to be molded and shaped and directed by his will, which means he's going to lead me to do some things that I never would have thought and never would have imagined and things that I cannot do on my own that's going to require complete and total submission and dependence upon him. But there's a promise for us. We live for him today, we submit to him today, and we reign with him in glory in eternity. Look at 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So I want God's kingdom today. I want his kingdom, his rule, his reign in my life right now. I also pray, living, praying in anticipation of his kingdom that's coming in the future. That one day his kingdom will come and he will reign and we will reign with him for all of eternity. I want victory as I battle Satan every single day in this spiritual warfare. I want his kingdom to be advanced. I want to see prisoners set free. But I also look, live looking toward, forward to that day when Jesus will cast Satan and all of his followers into the lake of fire for all of eternity. And we will be able to, to experience the promise of Revelation 21.4 that one day, Jesus will wipe away every tear from every eye and there will be no more death, no more sickness, no more destruction, no more, no more riots, no more COVID, no more, none of that for all of eternity. And all there will be will be perfection, glory, and the presence and worshiping Jesus forever. So yes, I want his kingdom now, but I live with that eternal perspective, looking toward forward to the day that his kingdom will be established on earth for all of eternity and evil will be done away with so in verse 11 we've we've talked about the person of god the purpose of god now we need to pray for provisions from god again the order is important I've already submitted to the Lord. I recognize that he's God. He's creator, sustainer. I've submitted to his will for my life. Now I pray for what I need. My heart is focused on what it needs to be focused on. I'm completely submitted to who God is. So now I pray for provisions. This is where the Lord's prayer shifts from the focus on God to the focus on my needs. My, my needs, my family's needs. You know, it's okay to pray for your needs. Remember that. We've talked, we talked about that last week. It's okay to pray for what you need, even what you want. But it needs to be kept in its proper place, in the proper perspective. And that's the purpose of this. There's order. There's purpose in this prayer. Give us this day, verse 11, our daily bread. God wants us to come to him and pour out our hearts to him and to share our needs with him. He wants that. He wants us to submit to him and be willing to accept the answer that he gives to our request, but he wants us to share our needs with him. This acknowledges the fact that we are completely dependent upon him. Lord, I, I can't survive without you meeting my needs. We're de completely dependent upon him. It also shows we have the freedom to ask him, which is pretty amazing, right? We get to ask him. We can come to him freely requesting but it, it's also an assurance that God will provide for my needs. may not be in the way that I want or expect, but it, it does show that he will provide for my needs. And remember, God will supply all your needs, not your greeds. It's not everything that I want, but God promises to supply my needs. It's a great, there's a great model for us of this in Exodus 16, the manna from heaven. Right? God provided food for the Israelites, but what did he instruct them to do? He instructed them each day just to gather enough for that day. Just that day. 
And then the next day, what did he do? He supplied again. Every day he supplied the needs for that day. And that's what this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is teaching us to do. Lord, I'm depending on you today. I'm living today depending on you. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough concerns of its own. I'm going to focus on you today, and I'm going to depend on you to supply my needs today. We have much more in this. I mean, listen, in this country, if you have money in your pocket right now, then you are more wealthy than most of the rest of the world. I mean, that's bottom line, the truth. In this country, we have more than we need. Now, I know there are hungry people, starving people in this country. I'm not saying that's not true. But overall, in this country, and most of us in this room have more than we could ever need. And that, that, that makes it difficult for us to pray this prayer with a great sense of dependence and urgency. There are people around the world right now that pray this prayer desperately with a sense of dependence, great urgency, because they know they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And we, even though we have much, we should depend on God the same way. It can all be taken away in a moment. And so we should pray this with urgency. This prayer is a prayer of complete humility, total dependence. Lord, I need for you to give me what I need just to live, just to survive. I cannot survive without you meeting my needs. That is this prayer. And we should never let our, the availability that we have to food and drink and other supplies in our life, we should never let that availability trick us into thinking that we are self-sufficient, that we can take care of ourselves. Because the minute we begin to believe that, we begin to think that we don't need God as much as we thought or as we should. We can run our own lives. We don't have to submit. I mean, I can take care of myself, and we've all, I'm sure, I know I've been guilty of that. And that's the first step to falling flat on your face, by the way. Because we need God to supply our needs desperately. Everything that we have, everything that we have, we have only because God has chosen to bless us with it. Everything. And I, I pray that I will never take that for granted. That includes my stuff. It includes my food. It also includes my family. Everything that we have, we have. Because God has chosen to bless us. His grace. Not just our daily needs, but all, all of our eternal needs are met in him as well. Everything that we need eternally. Jesus feeds our greatest hunger. Our greatest need. Forgiveness salvation, our hunger to know our creator, that's fed in Christ. We feed on him. His, his death, his resurrection satisfy the greatest hunger of our soul. We have been rescued from death and been given new life. We have been free, made free in him. Next, we're reminded of the fact that we need to request pardon from God. We request pardon from God. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive those as we have forgiven our debtors. We all need forgiveness. You know, those of us who are saved, we've been forgiven of sin. We've been forgiven of much. We've been set free from sin. Now we can speak to him like a child does to its father. 
We can come to God as our Heavenly Father because we've been forgiven. We have that relationship. So we've been forgiven in the past, but then there's a need for daily forgiveness, right? Justification means we've been forgiven. We've been made right with God. We have right standing with God. We've been forgiven of all of the sin of the past. But then in the process of sanctification, every day we come to God, we should confess our sins and be made right with him in the, in the, in the moment. It's not that we're saved all over again. It just means our fellowship is right with him. It's about maintaining proper fellowship with God. So we confess our sins daily. Forgive us, Lord, where we failed you. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us for what we've done wrong. Once we've been forgiven, we've been forgiven. Now we need to be willing to forgive others is the next. Forgive us our debts as we, not if we, but as we. Are, you know, it's, it's not that we're earning the right to be forgiven. That's not the point here. It's just those two things go together. The point being what Jesus is teaching is that those of us who have been set free from sin, we realize what we've been rescued from. And we have truly repented from that sin, which means an about face. We've turned away from that life of sin. And now we've turned to God to be molded and shaped into his image. And one of the results of that is that we forgive others. It's one of the natural things. One of the natural fruits of being a disciple of Christ is that we forgive as we've been forgiven. And that's the point. That's what Jesus is trying to teach here. Corey Ten Boom said this. She said, you never so touch the ocean of God's love as when you forgive and love your enemies. You know, it's, it's difficult to forgive, especially to forgive those that have hurt us severely, but that's what we're called to do. Uh, Frederick William I was king of Prussia in the 18th century, and he was on his deathbed, and he uh, was at odds with his brother-in-law for years, his brother-in-law George. And you know, a, a priest on his deathbed said, you, you need to, to go, uh, you need to leave this world not holding grudges. You need to forgive your brother-in-law. And this is what he said. He told his wife, he said, the moment I die, tell George that he's been forgiven, but make sure I'm dead first. Now, is that really forgiveness? No, it's not forgiveness. You know, forgiveness, yes, it costs us something. And it's difficult but we think about what we've been set free from. We should be willing to forgive. And that's not only should we be willing, but that should just be a natural part of who we are. Jesus makes this principle clear in verse 14 and 15. He says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. He's not saying, again, that I forgive to earn forgiveness from God. He's saying that it's a natural result. That, that, you know, those who have truly turned from their sin will be forgiving. Let me see if I can explain how this affects our prayer life. I have, if I can get it out, I've got a balloon. And let's just say, you know, balloon, the balloon represents our prayer life, our prayers, right? It's happy because we're happy we can talk to God, right? Actually, it was just what I chose at the store. But, but nonetheless, the point is, you know, we pray and our prayers hopefully go up to the Lord, right? He, we have the freedom to do that. Hopefully they keep going. But that's the point, right? I mean, we pray and our prayers reach the Lord. That, they, we can now communicate with God because we've been forgiven of sin. Now, the problem is, you know, a lot of us, we pray and we pray and we pray and we feel like it's not leaving you know, the ceiling 
I mean, it's just, there's nothing happening, right? I've heard people tell me I'm struggling. I feel like, you know, my prayers aren't effective. I don't feel close to God. Well, there are a lot of reasons for that. According to verses 14 and 15, 13, 14, and 15, one of the reasons could be that I'm not where I need to be in terms of my life. And one of those things could possibly be that I am not forgiving people in my life. One of the reasons my prayers may not be reaching or I feel like they're not being effective is because God's saying, hey, there's people in your life that you need to forgive. And so even just one thing like that can weight us down, right? I mean, unforgiveness can make our prayers ineffective. God's saying, you need to take care of that first. But even just one sin affects our prayer life. But in relation to this, what about anger? You know, some of us, maybe we're angry at the fact that, you know, somebody's hurt us or maybe we're not where we need to be in life or where we think we should be in life, so we're mad. And so we're angry. And we're coming to God. We're saying, Lord, meet my needs. Use me for your kingdom. Whatever you have planned for my life. And God's saying, you know what? I would love to do that, but you've got to take care of this anger that's in your life. And you thought it was weighted down before. And then you add to that not just anger, not just unforgiveness. Then comes bitterness. Unforgiveness will eventually turn into bitterness. And bitterness is like a cancer that will eat away at your soul if you refuse to forgive. I've met people, I've known people that struggled with bitterness, with unforgiveness, could not forgive, and did it to the point to where it affected their physical health. I mean, and of course, when it comes to prayer, nothing's effective. My relationship with God is not growing, and God's saying, I want, to, I want you to grow in me. I want you to fulfill my purpose. I want you to experience me providing for your needs, but you've got to get rid of this. You've got to confess the sin of unforgiveness, of anger, bitterness, whatever it is. It could be any sin, by the way. This is just talking about forgiveness, but it could be any sin that hinders my relationship with God. And the point of this is, yes, forgiveness, but the point is also, if I expect to be used by God, if I expect for God to provide for my needs, if I expect God to bless my life and to fulfill his purpose within me, then I need to confess sin daily. It's not about being saved. It's about being in right fellowship with God so that I can be used by God. So we confess our sins. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And then now the Lord's Prayer focuses on our need to rely on the power of God. We've asked for our needs. We've asked for forgiveness. Now we rely on the power of God. We admit, again, this is, uh, this is about submission. Um, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So in verse 12, he talks about forgiveness. He elaborates in verse 14 and 15. But in between there, do not lead us into temptation. It's still about sin, but deliver us from evil. You know, life is a spiritual battle. We see that in Ephesians 6, verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. 
You know, spiritual warfare is real. Just because we may not see it, there's uh, this whole spiritual realm where battle is going on right now as we speak. If we could see, we talked about this in our, our series on Ephesians 6, on spiritual warfare. If we could see what was going on around us, we would be running to the throne on our knees more often than we do. And we would be more aware of our dependence upon God. Spiritual warfare is real. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. Since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments. This is ultimately a spiritual battle. Since it is, we have a supernatural need for the power of God in our lives. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. There's a warning. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Satan wants to devour us. He wants to defeat us. He can't have our souls, but he can cause us to be discouraged and defeated. And so he's going to attack. So one of the prayers Jesus tells us to pray is, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Now, this prayer, this isn't a prayer asking God not to tempt us. That's not the point. You know, this, this is a prayer that Jews would pray. They would have been familiar with it. Lord, don't lead us into tempta- temptation. But it's not saying, Lord, don't tempt us. That's not saying that God tempts us. The, the second part of the verse says, deliver us from the evil one. So the idea is simply that we are asking God not to lead us into, into situations that Satan would use as an opportunity to tempt us. And so this is, when you think about spiritual warfare, what this is is a wartime cry for protection and guidance. Lord, guide us, lead us, direct us. Don't lead us into situations where we'll be tempted, where Satan will use it's, a, it's, a, it's further recognition of our dependence upon God for his guidance and his protection in our lives. We need God's guidance. We need the Savior's work. We need the Spirit's strength to gain victory over the evil one. That's what this is about. That we can't have victory over Satan in terms of salvation, but day-to-day spiritual warfare, Lord, you're leading me, you're guiding me. I can't have victory unless you lead me and guide me unless the Spirit works in and through me and fights this battle for me. I can't win. It's, it's your guidance, your protection that I need. Here's the point. We cannot face, cope, or survive the problems and the pressures of life without God's power in our life. Can't survive can't make it not not only can we not we can't cope we 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 will not have victory in life unless god provides his power satan's goal is to discourage us defile us devour us defeat us that's what he wants he wants to cause us to be ineffective and without god guiding us through the minefields of life we will never make it we have to depend on his guidance and seek his guidance and be willing to follow the direction that he leads us. This is a prayer that we should pray at the beginning of every day and throughout every day. Do not lead us into temptation, Lord. I, I need your guidance. Every moment of every day, I need you to direct me. And the second part of verse th- 13 focuses on our need to give praise to God. That's number six. 
We give praise to God. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. His kingdom, his rule, his reign forever. Power and glory, honor and praise to God. We praise his name. He is, his name is above all names. He deserves glory and honor and praise. All praises do his name. Now what is praise? Well, praise, the actual definition is adoration, respect, gratitude, so we're giving God, we're, we're praising his name, adoration, respect. We're being grateful. So think about it this way. When we're thinking about praise and what all of that, what that means, we're thinking about the fact that praise is the ultimate focus on who God is. I mean, we've already established who he is, right? The person of God. You know, he is holy God, separate. Yes, he's father, but he's separate. The creator, sustainer of the universe, Worthy of all praise and glory. So we're focusing on who he is. And when you know and respect him, you have a natural desire to praise him. And when we really know who he is, the person of God, hallowed be your name, the natural response is to praise him, to show him. You know, adoration, respect, gratefulness, to be thankful So we praise God, and then the last part, one simple word, in verse 13, we receive peace from God. Where do I get that? Well, that word, amen. There's there's great significance there. What does that word mean? Well, amen literally means, so be it, I believe, or it is the truth. So all that we've said, all of these six requests... You know, focusing on who God is, the purpose of God, you know, dependence upon God, all of these things, forgiveness, giving forgiveness, you know, asking for what we need, what we're saying, amen. Whenever we say amen, we're saying, Lord, this is what we've prayed. So be it. Your will be done. Whatever your answer is, that's, that's what I'm going to accept. Your answer is the truth. You are the truth. And I will be at peace. I can rest in the fact that, that whatever you have decided is what's best from a kingdom perspective, from my life, but not just this temporary life, from an eternal perspective. I'm at peace. The significance is that this word is a word of resting. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. Yes, I have to be faithful, and all we've talked about how this plays out, that plays out through this prayer, but at the end of the day, it's not up to me. To provide. It's not up to me to eradicate some disease. It's not up to me to solve all of the social issues in our world, the unrest. Yes, we should do our part to serve and take a stand. We should speak for those who can't speak for themselves, and we should defend people who can't defend for themselves. We should help the needy, the poor, the widows, the orphans, all of those things. We need to serve the Lord, but at the end of the day, it's His kingdom that's coming, not mine. It's his responsibility to solve all of the problems in the world. And one day he will do that. And it will be in grand fashion, in a way that's unmistakable. And so regardless of what's going on in our world, I can rest in the knowledge and the truth that God is in control. You know, my great-grandmother passed away when I was 17 years old. I believe I was 17 years old at the time, 16 or 17. The last 10 or so years of her life... She had dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, she, she wasn't herself. And so I don't have a lot of, of clear memories of her, you know, as 
what we would think of as, as being herself. Um, at least in part, Annie's name is a combination of her. Her name was, was Annie and uh, Shirley Ann, Mandy's grandmother. Um, and so, you know, she, her legacy in my family continues to live. But one memory I have of her, I was very young, probably four or five years old, maybe around five. I remember she was keeping me one day while my mom was at work, and we were sitting on her front porch, and she had two rocking chairs on her front porch. We were sitting on her front porch, and she was just talking, and she, she made this comment. I remember it just as clear as, as, as it was yesterday. She, she told me, she said, Alan, I want you to look up at the clouds up there. And I did. She said, you know, I sit out here every day, and by this time, uh, her husband had, had passed away, I believe. Um, he, my my great-granddad, he had had a stroke very ill the last years of his life. Um, and so she said, I sit out here every day, and I look up at the clouds, and I talk to the Lord. And she was a prayer warrior. I mean, one of the things that people kept saying at her funeral was, if I had a need, I'd talk to, to her. She, they knew she'd pray. She was a prayer warrior. Um, and, and so I, that, that was what she was known for. She talked about how she would sit on her front porch and she would talk to God and she would say, every day I sit out here and I look up at the clouds and I talk to God and I think, is today going to be the day? Is today going to be the day that I see him step out from behind those clouds and take me home? Now, I'm like five years old at the time and there's a lot I don't understand, but I understood what she was saying. And even now, that now even more I understand. She lived this, folks. She lived in anticipation of the day that Jesus would come back. And every day she would pray throughout the day. And she would pray, Lord, this is what I need. This is what I want. I'm sure all of her prayers were filled with not only her needs, but everybody else that had asked her to pray for them. And she would pray and she would pray and she would pray. But she would do it knowing that it's up to him and that it's his kingdom. And then one day he's going to come back. Not only has he taken her home now, one day he's going to take all of us home who have trusted in him for salvation. We live in submission to God the Father. We respect who he is as God, and we are so grateful that we can call him Father and that we can have this relationship with him. Folks, this 35 days of prayer this God that I've given you to help you focus in your prayer, that's all good. But my point, my goal in this is not that we do this for 35 days and then we're done. My goal in this is that we live a lifestyle of prayer just as my great-grandmother did. That we live in constant communion with God. That this is a habit of our lives, not just something we check off our list every day. Because if we pray like Jesus taught us, then we will pray the right way and we will live in submission to the lord and we will experience his kingdom in our life but also his purpose fulfilled in the life of this church that's my hope now of course that begins with a relationship with christ as i just said if you don't know jesus you you know you, you don't know how to pray and you, you can't communicate with God the Father except through Christ. And so if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first step is that you need to receive that gift. I've been saved and set free because I recognize that Jesus died for my sins. And I ask him to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. And wherever you are here at home, if you don't know Christ, you have that invitation. He's giving you the invitation to accept salvation. And if that's you, 
then you can pray that prayer right now, but we want, I want to hear from you, okay? Again, we're not doing invitation like we used to. We can't do it that way right now. Uh, but you can contact me and let me know that you have questions. If you have questions about anything that we've talked about today, if you want help in growing in your relationship with Christ and praying, whatever, if you want to know Jesus, then you can contact me. And there's a slide that's popping up right now. Just email me, info at wallhighway.com. We'll set up, I'll respond, and we'll talk about what you need to do to grow in your relationship with Christ or to accept Christ. But for now, for all of us at home and here, we're just going to spend a few moments doing what we've been talking about for the last little while and what we hopefully will continue to do, not only for the next however many days are left, I can't add that quickly or subtract that quickly, however many days, but beyond that for our entire lives. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you and, Lord, we want to pray the way we're supposed to, not because we want to gold star next to our name or we want recognition that hey that guy knows how to pray boy aren't his prayers beautiful no we just want to pray in a way that honors who you are and allows us to be in a position to receive your word Lord we think about prayers communicating to you and that's part of this and that's what Jesus taught us to do there's significance in every step and how we approach you and when to ask for needs and the importance of having humility and, and repentance. But part of that last word, amen, is receiving your word. Whatever you choose to say to us, we receive it. However you choose to respond, we receive it and accept it, which means we've got to be listening. It's not just a one-way conversation, Father. We need to do what's so difficult for us, and that's to be still in your presence, to listen for your voice, to be so close to you and so in tune with you that we recognize the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit as you speak to our hearts, as you reveal yourself to us. And in revealing yourself to us, you reveal your plan and your purpose for us. And as we live in submission, we receive that eager and ready to obey instantly because any hesitation and obedience we recognize as disobedience and we want to be faithful. Father, we want to be in a position individually with our families, corporately as a church. We want to be in a position to hear and recognize your voice ready to follow you wherever you lead in the future. However you want to use us, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Right now, in 2020, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of racial and social unrest and all of the uncertainties of life, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, our desire is to advance your will and your kingdom, to experience you working in and through us, the privilege of having an intimate relationship with you, holy God of the universe, 
We praise your name. We glory in your name. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few announcements I want to mention. Again, if you are here today, if you are at home and you have questions about anything that we've talked about today, if you have questions about our church, if you want to talk to somebody from the church, if you need counseling, if you have needs, then you use that contact slide. You contact us, info at wallhighway.com. Myself, our pastors are ready to step in and meet your needs any way that we can, any needs that you have. Uh, to answer questions that you have. Um, this time of commitment that we have is also the time where we give of our tithes and offerings, and we continue to do that the same way. We have online giving set up and ready to go. Um, we have, um, you have the option of mailing in your tithe and offering. Um, you can do that through the address that's popping up as well. It's printed in, in the bulletin that's online, our website, wallhighway.com. All this information is there. You can mail that in. You can use your online bill pay. If you're here today, you can use the white boxes at the exits or uh, one of uh, the people at the door will be holding an offering plate. You can, uh, whether you're in the children's building or over here, you can do that. So I encourage you. A couple of announcements I want to go over uh, very as quickly as possible just to kind of to, to bring you up to speed on a few things that are happening. First of all, uh, last week we did not have on-campus Wednesday activities or online. This week we will. Uh, we will have adult Bible study both here and online. Our students will have worship uh, at their normal time at 6. My Bible study, the adult Bible study, will be at 6.30. There will be no uh, children's activities this week. Uh, no Quacky Wednesday or Quacky Quinsday, however y'all have been saying that. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't say it's a tongue twister. But, um, so that won't, that'll pick back up, I believe, next week. There will be no activities for children this Wednesday night. Um, we will have deacons meeting this Wednesday night at 7.40 in the children's building. Uh, we're meeting over there so we can practice social distancing, but we will have that meeting. Um, and uh, our de- chairman of deacon, Bob Rodeball, will be sending out a, a message to our deacons so there will be an online or a, a phone-in option there as well for those who choose not to attend. Now, we did not have business meeting in June uh, because of social distancing and and, uh, and that sort of thing, but we do need to have a business meeting. A couple of things that need to be taken care of um, uh, are uh, those who are overseeing the renovation plans are going to provide an update for that. Um, going to be a very important update. In addition to that, our nominating team has some nominations that they need to make um, for, for leadership in the church and areas of service in the church. So we are calling a meeting two weeks from today on July the 19th. It's still going to be challenging, um, but we've got to figure out a way to do this and practice social distancing. So we will have a call business meeting on July the 19th, immediately following the morning service. Um, and so I'll give you more details on that later, but uh, go ahead and mark that on your calendar. Um, tomorrow afternoon at around 3 o'clock, I'm going to do a live stream as I have been, but I'm going to be presenting something that's coming that, that goes along with our prayer focus, some opportunities to serve and to participate in prayer walks um, or to, to pray at home as an intercessor. I'm going to be talking about that tomorrow afternoon as well as going over some of these announcements again. Um, want to mention also, you know, we had tentatively planned to start child care next Sunday, but that's not going to be possible. Our uh, Brother Jim, our children's minister, our children's ministry team, they've been working diligently to, to clean and to bring, um, uh, to, to put a facelift on our children's area. 
Um, they've, the floors have been refinished. Uh, we've had a company do that. We've had some painting, some, some real deep cleaning over there. And so we've kind of been at the mercy of those, those people, their schedules. So child care will not start back for preschool next Sunday. Um, uh, we've tentatively got the date for the 19th, but, but let me just encourage you to hold that date loosely. I mean, we're continuing to watch um, you know, the numbers with the virus and that sort of thing. I mean, we're planning for that. Um, we've still got some things that are ne- that need to be done uh, work-wise over there. So I'll, I'll be announcing that as we go along. But tentatively, we're moving that to the 19th. Um, but we're going to do that when it's safe for everybody, when we can do it, and, and the building is done and finished. Uh, taking the opportunity while it's empty to do some things that have been needed for a long time. And it's, uh, it's looking great over there. You would be amazed at how new those floors looked after they've been refinished. It's quite amazing. So uh, we'll be announcing that more in the coming weeks. Uh, discussion guide is available online. Uh, use that this afternoon with your family. A great way to, to kind of bring home everything that we talked about. Continue to sign up for the service each week if you're going to be here in person. And that is all that I have. A lot of announcements today, right? Uh, but that's all I have. So wait for the ushers to let you go. Uh, as you leave, fellowship outside in the parking lot. Enjoy that, that time together. Thank you for being here. God bless you. And uh, thank you for all that you do. And I pray that he'll continue to bless you each day as you serve him. You are dismissed.